Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan and I am the solo drunk accountant here on the podcast today. Although I will be joined later by a great guest, Jason Stats. He's, he's an accountant in the US, owns a firm, but also has a YouTube channel. And basically, I just wanted to get Jason on just to chat about what it's like running a business, right? So being an accountant in, in, in the US versus being an accountant in Australia. So, so this episode really is for the accountants out there that listen because we just shoot the shit and, and talk about what the differences are. And good news, everybody, we're doing pretty good here in Australia. We're doing pretty good. Um, but that's a great chat. So, so stay tuned for that. But first, what is the Dan and Dan Lowe? I've renamed it the Dan and Dan Lowe because um, it's just me. Um, last night, I went to a networking event, LinkedIn Local, which is run um, locally here. Um, and um, I, I implemented some of the uh, networking tips that, uh, that we gave in an episode prior to ZeroCon. And I've also come up with a new method. I, I call it the Dan method. It's an acronym. Uh, and basically, D is don't be weird. Uh, a, always be friendly. And N, not too friendly because that would be weird. So you can see how that works. Um, because yeah, there's, there's always interesting people. Um, I love going out there and, and just meeting local business owners and, and seeing what people are up to. And, and um, it was just great to be out and about in networking again, as I always say, which I've been saying for the past year, every time I get out there. But, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to the, the LinkedIn local team. Um, it, was, it was a great, great little session down there at, uh, at the entrance. Um, but uh, yeah, all right, let's move on to the, the business update. Business update sponsored by Cats Accountants. And I'm flying through this intro, by the way. It's funny how quickly you go through things when it's just you. Um, my business update this week is, is the governor, uh, the RBA governor. Um, apologizes for uh, two people who went out and bought homes last year based on the advice that he gave around interest rates. And apparently the article states that there's 300,000 people last year who took out a loan that was six or more times their income, which is massive. Um, my, my, I have a few thoughts around this. My, my first thought, and, and he said, you know, uh, we did have caveats in, in these things that we said, but, but maybe we weren't strong enough with those caveats. My, my first thought is he, he shouldn't have just been saying we're not going to raise interest rates for that long. Um, but also the people who did buy a house for those prices um, and it's, and I feel terribly for them, but what did they think would happen eventually? Like you don't take out a loan for three years, you take out a loan for 30 generally um, and interest rates were going to go up and I guess people were just optimistic Um they were just desperate to get in the housing market and the, and the market was terrible. I mean, I, I know that I had a terrible experience last year in, in, in the market. So uh, I, I really empathize with them, but, but it really makes me think, and, and this tied in with, with everything going on in, in the, the crypto and the blockchain space at the moment is that yeah, people need to be thinking about the long-term consequences of these things. It's, you know, you, you should, same when you're starting a business, you need to go back to what's the purpose? What does this look like in five years? What does this look like in 10 years? Um, and, and make sure it all makes sense before you invest in something significant. But again, I am an accountant, so I'm probably a bit of a, a bit of a nerd um, and a bit conservative with, <laughs> with spending that kind of money. I mean, I do host a podcast where a segment is called, um, Tim's tight ass tips and Dan's dollar savers. So yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, and I'd be fascinated to see what happens in this space over the next, next 12 months or so. So I guess we'll, we'll just follow along. Uh, another business update is that the, um, looks like that legislation I was talking about last week about the industrial relation laws um, will pass. So I think we'll try and get a, a, a whole episode. We might get an expert on to talk about this uh, sometime in the new year uh, and go through exactly what um, this means and if it has an impact on you, small business listener out there or, or, or whoever you are. So uh, yeah, we, we, we will do a little bit more on that. 
Let's move on to the, to the tight ass tip, or as I'm calling it, the dance dollar savers. Uh, my dance dollar saver this week is to have a brother who uh, works at an airline. Uh, in this in this instance, Qantas, because uh, you can get cheap flights. So I'm flying to to Melbourne this weekend, a lot cheaper, um, and and I'm I'm, I'm loving that. Uh, I had to go through a bit of paperwork to get it done, but shout out to Andrew, my brother, um, for hooking me up with some tickets um, to fly to Melbourne. So, yeah, have a brother that works on an airline is my tight ass tip or my Dan's dollar savers. Uh, I do have a Tim's tight ass tip um, because I was speaking to Tim yesterday. I, I met his baby and, and we hung out for a bit and um, <laughs> and he gave me a great tip, which was there's an app that you can get that turns old smartphones into baby monitors, uh, which is significantly cheaper than going out and buying a new baby monitor. So this is the first in what I'm sure will be many of Tim's baby-related tight-ass tips. So I've forgotten the name of the app, which makes this a terrible tip, but you can, uh, you can download it and it turns your old phone into the baby monitor um, because the phone's just lying around doing nothing. So great tip, Tim. Like always, living that tight-ass life. Good on you. Um, let, let's dive into the main topic today. Uh, as I said, it's my chat with Jason Stats, uh, an American accountant, and and we just we're just talking about being accountants, and it's it's a cool chat. So I will see you on the other side. Hello, and uh, welcome to the podcast, Jason Stats. You're an accountant. You're from Oregon. Is that right? Oregon, yep. Yeah, and I actually did a quick check before I jumped on here. Do you know we have 110 downloads from Oregon in the last 12 months? So we're pretty wow. big in Oregon. So No kidding. Oh, yeah. wow. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd probably say massive in Oregon, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, given there's about 200 people in Oregon, that's, yeah. that's really impressive, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, no, it's it's great to have you on, Jason. I, I was keen to, um, we, we were introduced a couple months ago and I, I jumped at the opportunity to grab you on because I just thought it would be a fun exercise to just compare what it's like in the accounting industries in the US and here in Australia. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm keen to just dive in and, and, and go explore explore our differences um but but first of all to tell us about about you and and, and what you do uh, i run an accounting firm here in oregon i've got a team of about 40 or so um besides that i run a little online community for firm owners um so i spend a lot of time working with my clients but also people that do what we do yeah yeah nice yeah, I've, uh, so you, you're so you got a YouTube channel and you're posting blogs and videos all the time, which is really cool. Um, so so l- let's start with um, <laughs> the, the the state of the accounting industry in in the US. I, I literally know not much about it, um, yeah. apart from just generally, you know, w- what it is that you do. But w- w- what's going on in the US? W- w- what's what's the accounting industry like there at the moment? What what are the big trends? Um, what does your day-to-day look like? Is it mostly compliance? Is it business advice? How, how are you guys going over there? Yeah, so for for my firm in particular, and definitely not all firms are this way, we are um, do a lot of compliance stuff in addition to kind of that, that mm. outsourced accounting department model. Yeah. Um, so income tax in the U.S. is really hairy, super complex. There's something like, over 5,000 taxing jurisdictions in the U S and so that's crazy. We've got kind of like two big converging trends, one being social policy and and all these different things get piped through tax law, right or wrong. Like that's just how that stuff is happening now, both at the federal level, but clear down to the local level. So like, you know, where I live, they've got a new, um, you know, a new tax for funding public preschool programs. And that's a payroll tax that gets withheld from the employee and the employer. And that stuff is happening everywhere right now. So we've got the combination of that trend along with work just going more distributed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the world's getting smaller. People are, are hiring internationally, but also around the country in a more distributed way. So you've got like the simultaneous complexity of working in different places along with people at the same time, just going about what they do in a more distributed way. 
and it's, it ends up being a lot of work for, for <laughs> business owners, for us to support them. Yep. Uh, that's the biggest thing hitting us in the face right now. Yeah, that's the that's something that always fascinated me about the US was just the different, you know, um, you know, the income tax at a state level, at a local level, at a federal level, um, and it just it just be so frustrating to keep track of all that. Like we always complain about our tax system because it's unnecessarily complicated, but at least there's only one there's only one entity that income taxes you. The the rest are other yeah. taxes. Um but we only lodge one income tax return. <laughs> uh, so yeah. just, it fascinates. So you'd be so busy just trying to keep across that in the different states and the different areas. Is that I, the case? Yeah, and, and it's the last thing anybody wants to worry about, right? Like yeah. nobody goes into business to do this stuff. But like a, a great example, I, I had a client in Colorado Springs, a retail mattress store. And so they've got all the in, income tax issues. So they'll pay federal and, and Colorado income tax. Um, there's several local taxes that are assessed both on payroll, but also on their business income. So they've got filings for those. Uh, but in, in Colorado, you also have sales tax, which you pay at the point of sale. Mm. Um, and in Colorado, it's assessed at the state, the county, the special district, and the city level based on where they send each mattress. Oh, wow. So like... You walk into the mattress store, you're like, I want to buy this mattress and they're going to deliver it out to your house, you know, wherever. And the sales tax is assessed based on the delivery destination. Yeah. So like for every single one of those sales, you have like four different layers of sales tax that's applied to every single sale. And it's different for each sale. So like you've just got all these like ridiculous compliance headaches that like, I mean, honestly, that's probably what's most fulfilling for me about what we do is like unwinding this stuff and letting those people focus on what they actually want to do. But it, it's pretty wild. What What's the filing actually like? Is it, is it fairly automated? Is it a lot of software or, or is it a lot of paper things or how far ahead is, is it different for each level that's been taxed or? It is. So like, Using that client as an example, every one of those counties and cities and special districts have a different way for you to submit a filing. And oh. so some of them are digital where you go out and you set up a login and you get a license and all these things. Some mm. of them you literally have to fax in a form or like, mail something in. Like actually fax? Like using yeah. a fax machine? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's That's uh, tragic. <laughs> um, but every like they all do it differently. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it's mayhem because anybody can like spin up a new tax and there's no requirements as to the system they have to use to collect the tax. And over the years, like that stuff will get better, right? Like it's just in everybody's best interest for it to get better. But there isn't any sort of like centralized collection approach. Yeah, well, especially as you said before, when businesses are no longer centralized in one location, that you're not just trading with the people near you, you're trading probably all over the country, potentially all over the world. Um, you know, we're not as isolated anymore. Um, yeah. And so that just makes it so difficult. That's a nightmare. I don't envy you at all, Jason. That sounds like a real nightmare. <laughs> I know we've got our issues. I, I really honestly, like all I do is stuff in the US. So I don't have perspective of other places and I'm yeah. sure there's their own set of challenges, but for all the talk and it happens in so many places, I'm a real automation nerd. Mm. And so like for, for all the talk of, you know, work being able to be automated away, like, man, I think accountants are first in line. Like what, like where, where do I get a board? Cause I would love to not do all this stuff. Mm. And like, thankfully automation, all that stuff, like hopefully will make running a business more, I don't know, purposeful rather than like, just creating this big obligation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I agree 100%. O automation. Um, yeah, there's a lot of tasks that we do that I think are ripe for automation, especially around the filing. Um, in Australia, there's a big push by our tax, um, the ATO, the Australian Taxation Office, uh, around, um, you know, they, they said their, their first step, I, I went to a, a thing recently, the first step was like, um, you have an event that happens and then you have the reporting of that event and then you have the payment for that event. And so in the first step of automation was combining the event happening and the reporting. So it's at the same time, but then the payment happens later. And their third step was to combine all three. 
So that would be okay. like in you know, so for a sales tax, for instance, uh, rather than you go about your business and then you later report what your sales were, what your expenses were, and claim your credits, and then pay the difference, uh, it would all happen at the point of sale automatically okay. through our software. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a, there's a lot of compliance things like that in our country that will eventually just disappear. Yeah, um, which, which is why a big trend for us is is the shift from compliance to business advisory work. And and I've always been a big advocate of that anyway because I've always said if you've got a tax problem, you've really just got a cash flow problem. Um, you yeah. know, you're just not budgeting for it. You're not planning for it. You're not coming up with solutions, you're not working on your business enough, you're just focusing on the end result rather than the steps that improve your business. Um, is that a, a shift? You know, you, obviously you've got so much compliance work to do, but, but are, are more and more people wanting that additional advice and, and wanting that help to actually improve their business from, from their accountant? Or is it purely just mostly all they think about is, is tax and compliance? Yeah, I think that's, in most cases, that's true. And it's, uh, it's a little inside baseball, like, accounting, but that's always been like the ambitional sort of direction to go is, is get past the compliance so that you can focus on the more valuable stuff. Mm. Um, and to be honest, like the last few and, and COVID really had a big part in this, like, we, you know, we all got thrown into the middle of a lot of those programs and helping people navigate that. Oh, so did we. Um, it was a night, it was a nightmare, but it, it's, uh, it's honestly, it's felt like everyone's just trying to keep their head afloat. Um, not only us, but business owners too, like just keeping up with compliance and all of that. And, and everybody wants to get there where, where you have the ability to carve out kind of those more, you know, meta conversations about the business and more long-term thinking. I think most people haven't gotten there yet. They don't feel like they're on top of the compliance mm. quite yet because that, that compliance kind of monster is, is growing as fast as we can try to manage it and keep on top of it with software and that sort of thing. Um, so I don't know We're I, some days it feels like we're fighting a losing battle other days, other days, you know, there's, there have been examples of progress. Um, I'm curious on your side, what do you, which way do you see, do you, do you feel like you're at least trending in the direction of automating some of that compliance stuff or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we've come, a long way in the last 10 years um, to, um, to, to, to being more efficient in the compliance space and, and figuring that out. You know, it, it, the tax and compliance will never go away because it's complicated. Um, the laws change regularly. Um, you know, these intricacies in the law could, could, could never be automated completely by software, but there are elements of it that definitely can be. And, and there's softwares like Zero, for instance, um, which has really helped business owners get on top of that and helped us as accountants be more efficient in that so we can focus on, on the advisory work. And I think, um, yeah, we've, we've definitely taken some significant leaps in that direction, but, but compliance and tax is still the foundation of, of everything most accountants would be doing. Um, but the proportion of advice to compliance is, is definitely starting to swing in the right direction, I think. Um, but, but yeah, so that leads me to the next sort of question is, is yeah, what's, <laughs> when you're dealing with small businesses, um, what kind of software are you guys using a lot of? So obviously here, Zero is quite a big deal. Um, I, I know you guys have Zero, but maybe it's not the biggest or, or the, the be all end all. So what, what's going on in that space? Yeah, in terms of like accounting ledger software, Zero is mm. number two, mm. but Zero in North America looks a little different. It, it's not; it doesn't have any sort of, you know, like payrolls not incorporated in Augusto. Oh, like really? The digital filing of taxes, like North American Zero, is is purely just like an accounting ledger product, right? Um, and it's not by any fault of zero that it doesn't have that stuff. Those endpoints with the government and the taxing agencies like just don't exist. Like there is, there is no automated way to do that stuff. Right. Um, so you've got kind of an interesting like class of technology. That's almost like a middleware for these kind of old timey government agencies who won't take things in a digital way. Um, a great example of that is, is Gusto, who's a, a payroll software and they give you a modern UI and, and let you do all that stuff in a way that's really nice. But the value of what they're doing is on the back end. 
they're calculating all those quarterly filings for you. They're mailing some off to states and counties and all that stuff. They can at least digitally file the federal stuff. But you've got this like software abstraction layer where they're giving you a modern interface, but then on the back end, like they're doing all of that really like unfortunate stuff for you. Yeah, right. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, capitalism has intervened to like create that modern interface that the government doesn't quite have yet, which is unfortunate. But mm. for accountants, like, you know, we've got, I don't know, over over 100 clients running payroll on Gusto now, where in the past we would have had to prepare those, you know, quarterly payroll tax reports ourselves. And so it's a very, it's a very American solution to an unfortunate <laughs> problem. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I suspect, you know, a, I suspect a FinTech company will come in and solve these things probably faster than taxing agencies do. Um, yeah. I, so I don't know if, I don't know if I care at the end. I just want a solution. In, in Australia, we, we've got um, a lot of collaboration between the softwares and the taxing agencies. So um, they meet regularly, they're coordinating regularly. When there's new systems coming in place, they, they're meeting with all the software and designing the interface so that all links in. So for instance, Xero does do all of our payroll, um, but also our GST, so our sales tax um, lodgements every quarter, every month. We, we have to file our pay runs every week with the ATO. Um, it does that. It pays our superannuation, like our pension payments, um, all through the software. Um, there's a whole bunch of other lodgements that happen directly from your software. Um, no paper, ever. Which is means I think we're a little further ahead. Sure. <laughs> we're also sure. a lot smaller, yeah. uh, which helps, I guess, coordinate these things. And, and there's only... Um, there's a lot less states and, and the things that the states tax are very different. So we don't take tax income tax on a state level or a local level, um, which makes that a lot easier. So we don't have to worry about those filings and all those types of things. So it's a, the, the, the complexities of your situation is a lot greater than ours. Um, but yeah, these softwares are already doing it in other countries. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's in, in the accounting world. Um, Australia has always been very uh, ahead of the times, forward thinking, mm. and and even the ways that Australian accountants engage with their clients is um, very different, or at least perceived as very different to how we engage with ours. Um, this is a, this like, is a good conversation actually, because obviously we don't know the perspective of other people on on how we yeah. operate, and we we're not even sure you guys are aware of how we operate. So so yeah, what what is the perspective? Well, so. So I've always, my firm has always been a zero first firm, which is unusual in North America. Yeah. And zero came over as like the, like skinny jeans wearing like <laughs> cool kid, cool kid. They, uh, they did that like, here too. Yeah. Yeah. Tool that like nobody here really understood because QuickBooks, like that was an accounting trip. Like people didn't say, go do your accounting. They said, go do your QuickBooks. Like yeah, in okay. North America, like you walk into a big box store, you know, Walmart, Costco, whatever. And like, there's a wall of boxes of like, here's your QuickBooks software. And so like, yeah, right. that was just what small businesses ran on forever. And I was into zero pretty early days for like North American firms. And it was, I, it was people that were just kind of buying into kind of more of a, a, kind of partnership approach to dealing with clients rather than this transactional compliance mm. sort of relationship. I think for small firms like mine, 95% of the work that accountants do in the U S not the same for Canada necessarily, but in the U S is just bring me your stuff and I'll do your tax turn. Yeah. And that's it. Rather than, um, being part of the team, you know, like, the the really exciting thing to me about what distributed work enables is uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, I'm an employee for that company or not. Like our, our team just kind of becomes an extension of what is already a distributed team. Mm. Uh, and I think that leaves even more space for professional services to come in and be a really integrated part of, of what they're doing. And that's exciting uh, if you can keep on top of like just all the minutia of the kind of compliance sawdust that like a business just like creates by just going out and conducting business. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Australia has always been like North America, like the perception has always been, it's a very like uh, ahead of the times sort of forward looking relative to the U S approach. Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, the, the journey that you're talking on where, you know, Zero turned up in their skinny jeans and in their T-shirts. Um, same thing happened here, except it wasn't QuickBooks that was the the, the old one. It was uh, software called MYOB or Myob. Right. Um, and and they were the, the standard for years. It was the same sort of thing. Um, you know, the industry was very stale. There was, um, it was all desktop-based software. Nothing was online. Everyone was wearing their suits and their, you know, very corporate and, and it was transactional. You, you talk to your accountant, you know, to get your tax done essentially. Yeah. Um, but the big shift we've gone on in the past sort of 15 years and, and zero was definitely a big part of building that community was, was about, um, yeah, we wanted to do more. Um, you know, we wanted to, to be a partner with that business to help them achieve their goals, you know, on the podcast and in our business, we always talk about this concept that we call lifestyle accounting which is people start a business because they have a particular lifestyle in mind, particular amount of money, particular amount of time, stress. They read these entrepreneur books and they're like, oh yeah, I can, I can work one day a week and I'll make millions. And very quickly they realize, well, this isn't true. That's not a reality. I've got less money, more stress, less time. Um, so our big purpose is to try and relink people's lifestyle goals, what they're trying to achieve personally with what their business can actually provide to them. Um, and things like Zero and 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 other software and, and there's a whole bunch of things out there now. But those tools allowed us to have that time and have those conversations and have real-time data. So it's not we're looking at information that occurred a year ago and trying to yeah. give you advice on that. Instead, we can talk about information that happened today and yesterday yeah. and, and give that real-time advice. And, and that enables us to then be a partnership with them. Um, which is, which is awesome. That's, that's, that's what fulfills us, you know, tax returns and helping people have more peace of mind by not having to worry about the compliance is great. Um, but helping them achieve that next step is better. Um, which is, I think a big focus for a lot of accountants here now anyway. Yeah. 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 I love that. I, uh, we are in the U S we're not even at 50% cloud adoption. Yeah, right. Uh, nearly 60% of small business accounting files are desktop-based accounting files, which means if I'm helping them, I don't have access to it, right? Like, we've got to, like, bounce a file back and forth. Like, yeah. So there's there's a huge gulf in the type of businesses out there from the ones that are very savvy and, like, are running their business on, like, an integrated set of cloud apps mm. to, like, very traditional um businesses with desktop software that are really hard to support. Um, but yeah, it's a mixed bag. Like even the accounting conferences you go to in the U S like it's still a mix of cloud versus desktop content. Cause like there's, there's as much as I like the ideal client for me is like, you know, a, a small business that's fully on the cloud so that we can be kind of integrated in everything that they do. We help mm. with a lot of like, custom automation development and stuff like that to make sure all those apps talk to each other the way that they need to. Um, and that's the ideal client for us. But the fact is the majority of small businesses are still on desktop. Like they still haven't seen the value of going to the cloud mm. and somebody has to help them. So as much as I want to be like, you know, the hipster accountant that like will exclusively work with those cloud enabled companies, a lot of those people still need that help because they just haven't tasted the rainbow yet they haven't like realized the upside of running your business in the cloud and i think covid helped a lot with that actually mm. i think that actually pushed people um to work a different way out of necessity yeah for sure um i i it's honestly hearing you speak the way that you are at the moment reminds me of what it was like here 10 years ago um yeah. when you know a majority of people were still desktop and there's all these cloud solutions that were coming out. And then just rapidly over 10 years, we, we don't have a single client on a desktop software now, not one. Um, and, and if we went to an accounting conference and there was a desktop software that was presenting, no one would look at it because it's just like, why would we bother? Um, it doesn't link with anything. It doesn't automate anything. Why am I doing this? What do you mean I have to update it? That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I know. 
And there are like there are, you know, the Florida looking accountants mm. here are definitely that way and work exclusively with mm. with clients that will do stuff in the cloud. But as you said, people um, still need help who who aren't using that software. Oh yeah, I like we. I mean, we've got clients who send who mail hundreds of paper checks a month. Like just just like the movement of money in the U.S. is even very different to Canada, mm. um, where like that is still such a manual process. And you've got and massive companies like Bill.com who are built on top of uh, like all that is is like a modern approach to doing an old timey thing. Like it's a modern platform where on the back end mm. they mail millions of paper checks. Like yeah. that's what the software does. But like it gives us like a it's like this middleware that gives us like a modern experience for how to send payments digitally when the reality of what's happening is like they're just sending out paper checks. Um so <laughs> you've got this whole layer of technology that's like uh I like, you know, just putting a band aid, like just trying to like I don't know it's like it seems to be a common theme to hold the whole thing together it seems to be a common theme that people are building softwares to make it look like they're doing new things but in the back end just doing it the old way because of you know necessity um i know right yeah um but that, to me that also sounds like there's massive opportunity for a progressive firm or a progressive accountant to, to get there and and you know the whole service around just helping people become cloud-based you know that's a service that took off here in the last 10 years it's just taking small businesses and help them migrate over and see the advantage of that and, and get their time back. And honestly, that's why I don't turn my nose up like like it would be really easy to kind of say, well, we're not a fit then um, yeah. and not work with those clients. But to your point, it's a huge uncaptured opportunity. I yeah. Mean, like you think of you think of the difference between running your business before and after making that change like the elimination of so much double entry and, you know, enabling integrations and stuff like that. Like it's somebody at some point is going to come in and, and help them through that. Mm. Um, it takes a lot of patience uh, and honestly years for a business to make that sort of transition. But yeah, but it's also a great opportunity if you're willing to go through it with them. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, you know, we've been through a lot of this with a lot of our clients, as I said, 10 years ago, a lot of them were desktop. And so, one by one, we'd help them transition and go through it. And was that, you know, what's your tech stack look like? What, what softwares do you need? What, where, where are your pain points? Um, but mainly it was just, let's move over your accounting software first. You're going to see the advantage of that. And then you build things around it. Um, but it's a massive opportunity. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 that sounds good. A few other things in the industry I want to tack. So there's a, there's a, there's a growing trend here um, about outsourcing the compliance work. Is this something that happens in the US? Is this something that you're you're seeing a lot or being marketed to a lot? Yeah, so this is groups that work for professional firms to do that work for them. Yeah, so so let's say um, you know the you're meeting the clients and you're reviewing work, but it's mostly being done by a team in the Philippines or South Africa or or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's the notion of outsourcing versus offshoring, right? Mm. So we like we do yeah, a little so bit offshoring. of offshoring. Yeah. Um. So like we're we're building an offshore team in the Philippines. Yeah. Um. I don't know what it's like hiring accountants where you are. It's it's, it's really challenging in the U.S. Yeah. Um. It's not the it's not a super sexy thing, and and people don't. I, I don't know. I don't know about you. I didn't aspire to be an accountant. Like, I stumbled into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I tell people I stumbled into it coming out of college and just haven't found a way to let, to leave yet. Um, so it, for us, it's been a, it's been a great way to like ensure we can do still do all the work to a really high level. My preference is the model where we have a hundred percent of the people's time and they just work for us. So yeah. like you can go out and you can buy, a month's accounting, like, and that's the service you're paying for, or you can have, you know, employees. And my preference is the latter. Mm. My team's virtual and remote. And like, it, honestly, I could care less if they're on the other side of the country or the other side of the world. Like they're mm. just an extension of the team. Yep. Um, so I love it. I mean, the, the reality is this in the U S there's some small business owners that are spooked by it, but every other provider they use did it 15 years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. the banks, they're like, you know, everybody that they work with uh, have done it. In many ways, I think the globalization of work 
is a is a big opportunity in the same way that the transition from desktop to cloud is. Mm. And if that's something you can help them with, it's a big unlock for them. Mm. Um, with with COVID pushing a lot of people to be remote and work virtually for the first time, um, I think like the short term impact of that was like a bunch of tech adoption overnight. Mm. But I think the bigger thing will actually be the globalization of work because they're going to realize Susie's right across town and we're working fine online now and don't have to go into the office every day, but Susie can be anywhere, which yeah. means like the next Susie that we hire, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're in the U S and Australia, it doesn't really matter where they are. Um, I think that's going to be a big long-term impact of COVID. What do you see? What's, what do you see? I don't know what's the small business mindset on that where you are. Yeah, it's it's, it's much the same. It's I think COVID um, really opened a lot of people's minds to your accountant or your service provider doesn't need to be in the same town or locally. You know, we've for a long time we've had clients everywhere or all over the country, but um, but I think people became more open to that idea. Um, and then the workforce wise, yeah, we all started working from home a lot more than we had before the pandemic. And I think the industry has rapidly shifted to um, having a back office that might be offshored running that compliance work. And then they have more time to then help the clients with, you know, whatever it is that they're um, needing help with. And, it's not something that we do, but it's something that most people in the industry in, in Australia are doing, um, which I don't actually think a lot of our clients even know. I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of small businesses are even aware that it's happening, um, yeah. which is interesting. It, it'll be an interesting trend. Uh, I, I'd be fascinated to see if there's any regulations that come around about it. Um, you know, in Australia, we like to regulate things. It's just... <laughs> just what we do. Um, so I, I'd be fascinated to see where the space goes, but, but yeah, I, I don't think the clients really know what's happening and I don't think they care that much. Yeah. In the U S we have regulations around any offshore tax work, Okay, but the accounting work and everything else, um, basically if you do tax work offshore, you just have to get like a, has to be a standalone, like full page disclosure that they sign. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I uh, what's what's the consensus among accountants? Like, are, are accountants uncomfortable with with offshoring some of that work? Or the funny thing is, is that so Tim, my my business partner and normal podcast co-host, who is right uh, there. There he is. Yeah, yeah he's no, um, yeah. he's just had a baby. He's been very quiet. Yeah, yeah, he's just had a baby, so he, he's <laughs> off. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're sort of some of the only accountants we know that don't do it. Um, and the reason for that is, is that we'd been on a journey for automation and systemizing and trying to get things as efficient as possible for a long time to the point where our team internally um, covers it pretty well. Um, we, we haven't had a need for it, but lately we've been rethinking if this is a road that we should go down or not. Um, so the, the accountants tend to be pretty for it. Um, uh, whether or not they're eroding their own internal value, whether or not they're losing some some capacity within the team, I'm not I'm not sure what the long term effects of it are going to be. But but generally, accountants are pretty for it. Um, it just it it just depends on what their model is like and and what they're trying to do. And if if compliance is just sort of a let's get that out of the way and then we can focus on other things, then there tend to be the more types of people who will then go down that road. Um, yeah, so it's it's it's. I'd say it's a majority of people think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think the the model where it works best is where you have client facing sort of relationship managers. That's the yeah. one thing that that I think you can't really do in most cases, depending on where you offshore. Mm. Um, that's the hardest thing is is offshoring the client facing facing aspect of the relationship. In the U.S more and more firms are developing kind of a relationship manager because a client will come to us with an accounting question, an app integration question, an income tax question about a specific city and Mm. a payroll tax question. Yep. And nobody knows the answer to all those questions. Mm. And so with the client, they struggle with like, who do I go to for what? 
Mm. And so in an effort to kind of make their lives easier, we try to give them a single person that may not have, will not have all the answers, but can can track down the answers for Mm. them. And a model like that, it's easier to pull offshore people into the production team. Um, But in the more traditional model where you've got a single person that's doing all of the work and doing all the client relationship stuff, that's a bigger lift because it's, it kind of fundamentally changes what it is that they do for the client. Um, I would say the biggest learning I've had is besides the client facing relationship, um, you know, I, I think the biggest learning I've had is there really isn't anything that we do besides that client relationship that our offshore team can't do. So I'm a, I'm a huge automation nerd. We do Mm. everything from advising on apps to, you know, literally building discord bots for clients that like pull in data from their different systems. Mm -hmm. Like we do a lot of custom development for people and, you know, even the automation side, like we've got people offshore that have great expertise in that domain and they're contributing in that way too. And I've just been, honestly, I've been blown away by like the quality of the people and like how, what incredible extensions of their team that like, they become Mm. um i think it only breaks down if if you're coming from a place where like every person in the business has to be client facing yeah um it's it's more complex there but i've i've loved in the u.s there's like a kind of a very traditional old-timey firm model where you've got you know partners and partners manage their set of clients but they also have to manage a team Mm. and the only reason they got to being a partner was because they got a whole bunch of clients and that doesn't mean they're any good at managing people and Mm. and all that right or building systems i've been a big advocate for a more traditional sort of org chart for a business um and the result of that i think is having less uh, having a a smaller percentage of those people be client facing it's because it's more like a traditional support structure so I'm in love with that model right now, kind of more of a traditional client support structure where like the people who are best at managing people are managing people and, and not necessarily clients. And, but there's there's just a hundred moving parts there. It's a lot to think through. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think that sounds like what, you know, what's happening in the U S and what's happening in the U S uh, Australia with that trend is, is pretty similar. And it's just people still trying to figure out what that looks like moving forward and, and how, what's the best approach. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So my last, my last question to talk to you about is, is, um, yeah, what was it like for, for you guys over COVID? Um, you know, we, we had an experience here. We, um, depending on where you lived in the country. Um, we went into hard lockdowns for, uh, in, in where I live, it was for three months, the two and a half months, the first time. And then when the second wave came around, we went in for four and a half months. Um, if you lived in Melbourne, it was more like six months the first time. Um, and then other places varying degrees. And then during that time, so many businesses needed help to figure out what does tomorrow look like? <laughs> you know, I can't pay my yeah. rent tomorrow. Uh, the government were announcing scheme after scheme after scheme that suddenly were dropped in our laps and we had to figure out, well, what does this look like? How do we do it? And, you know, luckily softwares like Zero and QuickBooks and MIB were, were rapidly developing the tools to calculate if people were eligible for things and then we had to lodge stuff with the different levels and it was a nightmare. Like we were up late reading legislation to figure out alternative tests for income <laughs> and I know, all, right? yeah. all, all these things. And, but so I imagine your experience and the experience of accountants in the U S would have been something similar. Like, is that a, a universal thing that we all just sort of, it was a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a whole bunch of, it was a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, it was complex enough to where we kind of had had to get involved because they couldn't quite get their heads around it mm. or it was contingent on underlying accounting or payroll data that, you know, maybe they weren't able to produce themselves. Yeah. And like for us in the industry, we went from this nice annual cadence where you kind of plan your capacity to everybody needing you all at the same time. Mm. And, and they couldn't get that help fast enough. Um, there were some positives that came from that for us. So like we, I started running webinars for the first time and we had never done that before. And that ended up being a really good way to get information out to, you know, several hundred people. Yeah. We did the same thing. Rather than like 
every single thing being a one-on-one conversation, then at least you can hopefully knock out 80% and then kind of the remaining 20% handle one-on-one. Um, it really kind of opened my eyes to like running a firm on a one-to-many basis versus a one-to-one basis. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's so many aspects of what we do that haven't been changed by the internet age and the fact that you can disseminate information like in a much higher leverage way. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. And then there's a lot of ambiguity in, in the legislation that we got. So we're like, here's what we know today. And yeah. I, we don't know when we're going to get guidance. Could be tomorrow. It could be, in some cases it was two years later. Um, I think one of the, one of the big weaknesses of having such a, 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 a system reliant upon manual processing of, of information is, is they don't really have any timely data about your business mm. to be able to make the process of getting help easier. So it's a process of, uh, you know, literally amending quarterly payroll tax returns on paper. Yeah. And a lot of the incentives that we apply for, for people like it was in some cases it was 18 months later that they got that money. And it was like, well, I kind of needed it 18 months ago. Yeah, right. Um, we we so we were lucky in that that because a lot of people had already adopted cloud technology that the data was current and payments would sort of start coming in within the month um, yeah. f- from the various you know levels of government that were putting out grants and incentives. Yeah, I think something that we got wrong was most of the incentives were routed through like existing kind of tax infrastructure. So you would claim it on your quarterly payroll tax return or something like that. And these were, and all of these systems got mega, mega overwhelmed and there nothing about it was like a quick or efficient way to move money. And so a lot of it just, it took a lot of time, created a huge amount of manual processing uh, rather than, and so it was all like written into tax law rather than mm. it being a grant where it's like, okay, you're eligible for this money. We're just going to send it. It was like subject to the limitations of the people who process those quarterly payroll tax returns, Right. And mm. like, it's, it's a totally different ball of wax for them all of a sudden. Um, so yeah. there's frustrations in that. There's been a lot of like fraud that still is kind of getting unwound. Yeah, um, that's that's where we're up to now. Is that the they're, they're starting to audit them? <laughs> it was yeah. like everyone apply and get money quick. Let's get it out there. Let's get things done. Apply, 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 apply. And now they're like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to check these now. Um, yeah. And anyone that's sort of we're going to run a, an algorithm and anyone that falls out of these outlier categories, we're going to like, great, we're reviewing you and you and you and you, and you might have to pay it back. And, and luckily, you know, we, um, and all of our clients, you know, we went through a lot of care to make sure that they were eligible. Um, and even with the ambiguity of, of, of the laws, you know, sometimes it was, it was borderline and you'd, you'd still try and err on the side of caution and, and, and get it through. But there was a lot of fraud, a lot of fraud. We're, we're still in the thick of that now. The ugliest one was the employee retention credits. And yeah. it's a tax credit that you claim through payroll. Mm-hmm. And you have these companies that have spun up saying, oh, we can get you the credit. You know, the accountants are too conservative. We'll get the credit for you. You're going to pay us, you know, 30, 35% of the credit. Oh. Um, and you're good. We'll, we'll submit the amended returns and you'll probably get your money in six months. Uh, and these are like, fly by night companies that like, you don't know if you're ever going to hear from them again. In many cases, like uh, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like if, if we say like, no, you're not eligible and Mm. it's, it's not a gray area, you're not eligible. Mm. And then somebody else comes along and, and tells them, um, you can get 200 grand, no problem. Mm. Like we're dealing with that all over the place. And there's so many of these companies I get, two or three voicemails a week from them saying I'm eligible pre-approved for $26,000 per employee, like, like total scam. Um, they're running ads on Spotify now, like, like, like everywhere you look, there's these companies telling you that you can get these credits and and people are Um, desperate as well, which is the bad part is that people will see that and go, I don't care. I'm desperate. I need help. Um, well, and like, and what do you do? Like if, mm. if, and, not everybody has a great relationship with their accountant. Mm. And like when you don't understand what they do, like unfortunately perception is reality. Mm. Like when they don't, 
when what you do is technical and they don't totally understand it. So if somebody comes and tells you, here's a quarter million dollars and your accountant says, mm, no, I don't think you meet the rules for that. Mm. Like what's the right thing to do? Like mm. I can tell you what I think the right thing to do is if I don't think you're eligible, but man, it creates a lot of stress in that, in that relationship. Cause the accountant can't support them then if they go and do that. Cause like, they don't think they're eligible. That was so it's, it's a big messy thing. That was something I hated. Is that this was sort of became our problem a little bit. You know, we, we were then telling people they weren't eligible, and and they're like, "What yeah. do you mean? Why are you telling me I'm we're not eligible?" It's like, well, I didn't make the rule. But you're the bad guy. Right? <laughs> I'm just telling you that this is the case. Um, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry, but yeah, that I hated that. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's past now. COVID. Who remembers COVID anymore? It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> We've moved on. We've moved on. <laughs> All right. Well, I've taken up enough of your time, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on and, and just shooting the shit and telling me about uh, what it's like over there in the US and, and hearing a little bit about what it's like for us. It's been, it's been good to have a chat. You're welcome to come back on anytime and we can just keep talking. I'm sure there'd be a million topics we can start diving into. Yeah. You bet. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, we will uh, chat to you later. And that's that's the chat with Jason. Uh, thanks so much again, Jason, for coming on. Um, it was great to just hear what it's like in the US. It, it, I was fascinated by the similarities, yet the slight differences. You know, a lot of the problems that they're facing are similar to ours, but we might be a little bit ahead in some others. But but s- some of them are, are, are almost identical to the the situations that we face. Um, which, which I guess makes sense. <laughs> I guess makes sense. Uh, my other thing this week is uh, I started listening to the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. Um, if you're a fan of that TV show, they're doing like a rewatch podcast, but it's not like a normal rewatch podcast. They don't really talk about the episode that much. They just sort of, it's just funny. They just talk nonsense for a while. Um, and, and those guys are really funny. So if you're out for a laugh, go listen to the Always Sunny podcast. It is, it is good. Um, But other than that, that's the podcast for the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week uh, with another exciting guest. And uh, don't forget to nominate for the Drunkie Awards. So um, we're getting a few people writing in. I actually got another... Uh, email with a re- with a review this week. I might um, I might actually just quickly read it out. This review five stars from Many two two five zero, which makes me think you live locally, Many. Um, it says great banter and life stories mixed in with some tax advice. Best paired with a few whiskey sours. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with that. It is best paired with a few whiskey sours. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Don't forget to nominate yourselves or other people for all the various drunkies. Go check out our social medias to see what the categories are this year because that'll be happening in a few weeks' time. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Calculator. <laughs>